Welcome to Scots Radio. I'm Frida Morrison, and in this edition, we are delighted to invite you to your Christmas party. Against the odds, we've managed to capture our colleagues for our gardening programme, Grow Radio, and steer them on together with the Scots Radio creators. Connected we are with bandies and bits of tow, and we're ready to party. So let me introduce my companions, Urheed Gerner, a past curator of Edinburgh Botanics and chair of the Open Gardens charity. Welcome, Dave Mitchell. Hello there, Frida. Compliments of the season to you. And to you, dude. In the wheelhouse, driving the ship, soon starter, Richie Werner. Richie! Aye, aye, how's it going? Oh, God, A good yield to you, Frida. And thank you, and to you. Doing the table, folklorist and technical sorter, Steve Byrne. Aye, aye, Frida. Blythe, you'll be bells on. Bells on. <laughs> and the other side in the kitchen, cook, Claire Patterson. Hello, Claire. Are you are you in good fettle? Oh, aye, Frida. Great ready fettle. To, ready to dish up the food for us? Great. Absolutely. And our special guest, our special guests, in fact, are Santa and his helper, Good Elf. It's a virtual moment in our life, and they come do no lum and bring us the Burns books recommended for Christmas. And not just for Christmas, but a good idea for presents any time. Santa's coming! <laughs> so, to get us into the seasonal spirit, this is Imar. Feather album, Avalanche, this is Wise!
favourite album, Avalanche, a track called Wise, and that's my tribute to the three wise mannies and their cook Claire for here to help us enjoy this fine Christmas party, complete with a virtual Santa and his <laughs> elf. They've visited, they said earlier, usual while arriving, landing on the reef, and then, as is the custom, coming doing the lum. Thick a commotion that was. But before that, we'll he'd get that Dave Mitchell will be telling us about festive plants, a bit about the history and legend. Hey, Dave, you'll be telling us about that. Aye, I see that indeed. You kinda, uh, there's a wiener plants associated with Yule in the festive season, and a lot of them have bonny brick colours, and others are spiky and jaggy, and a wiener of them have an awful grand scent. And I, I just love getting pines or furs into the house, or oh, maybe the a bit smell. of hammermelis. You kind of. It, the smell gets wrecked up your neb and it just reminds you that spring's only two or three months away. If winter comes on. Of course, we're going to be hearing about the celebration of Yule and the tradition of festive food, one of your favourite subjects as well, for you, Dave. Oh, aye, you'll hear a wee bitty about that. There might be something that'll get your belly rumbling. I <laughs> <laughs> will get roused for Richie by interfering with the recording if we'll rumble over much time. <laughs> And the second wise man is Steve Byrne, is our programme folklorist and technical advisor. Yeah. And we're, we're, and we're and here with the, the origins of Christmas for you as well. Right. And we've got a special guest appearance for your wee daughter, Matilda. It's a very, very special <laughs> moment, that, isn't it? Took a while, but aye. <laughs> <laughs> aye. She, she needed a wee bit of encouragement to begin with, apparently. Right, mere about that. And the third wise man is who's soon sorting the wheel, who's sorting the wiggly <laughs> waves. Hello, Richie Werner. Aye, aye. <laughs> Less of the wise, think, please. <laughs> and is I think done okay we in the family? I think done oh, okay. Aye, we're grand. Usual manic chaos, but it's great. <laughs> but are you ready for Christmas? Well, we're getting there. We're getting there. Aye. It's all happening. We're making all the plans. It's all on bits of paper. They're new, but it's going to become a thing pretty soon. So. And have exciting. you got your tree up? I've not got my tree up yet, but uh, I've been... I've been. It's funny Dave was speaking about the, the, the smell of the fur and that. I've been kind of... Smelling the furs, shall we say, and all the usual outlets and going, hmm, time to get a tree. <laughs> no, it's, it's not going to be the, the normal or our usual type of Christmas day, I suppose. But are you cooking as usual? I, I, yes, I shall don my chef's hat and my sort of Rudolph um, costume. Uh, <laughs> get something <laughs> a nice. A Rudolph costume? I'd be, oh, I need to get something seasonal. It's that or the flashy light Christmas jumper, you know. Yeah, I love them. <laughs> And of course, food plays a big part in our Christmas celebration. So without further ado, let me gang over to join our cook, Claire Patterson, in her virtual kitchen in Ardgour in Loch Haber. Fetch cooking with you, Claire. Oh, well, just getting ready for all the Christmas feasting, Frida. <laughs> um, so today I was going to start off with something a wee bit spicy, and it's oh. based on a classic dish called mouclad, which is basically mussels with a kind of curried sort of creamy sauce. Oh. Um, and I love mussels. We've got all kinds of shellfish around where I live, but mussels, absolutely the best, in my opinion. Um, oh. And I sort of ramp that up with some lovely leeks, which are great this time of year. So you get your mussels all cleaned and the beards out and chuck away the ones that are open because they're no good. Uh-huh. And you steam those, strain off, keep the cooking juices, then you throw those away and shell your mussels. Um, and then you get some butter in a pan, you sweat your leeks down so they're really nice and soft, then add a wee bit of flour, a wee bit of curry powder, if you're wanting to be fancy, a couple of strands of saffron as well for a wee Mm. extra treat, (laughs) and then in goes the cooking liquor, in goes a wee bit of cream, a wee bit of lemon juice, and then 
back end of your mussels and a big sprinkle of parsley and it's absolutely delicious on some toasted bread. It sounds bread. so good. That sounds special. Aye. Can we come to your house? My mouth's watering. We... Oh, okay. Good. Okay, your second, your second recommendation? Next one, a wee bit more traditional for Christmas. This is my version of braised red cabbage. I'm sure everyone's got their own version. Um, so mine, your head of cabbage, shred it up, in with some red onion, some light brown sugar, a wee bit of apple juice, a wee bit of cider vinegar, salt and pepper, a couple of knobs of butter, then give it a wee rumble up, stick it in a big pot, greaseproof paper on top, and then cover it with a lid or with some foil, and just bake that in a sort of low to medium oven for a few hours, get it stir from time to time, and it'll get really soft and really melty, and it's absolutely delicious. See, I've already identified where I'm going wrong. I'm trying to do that with a pan on top of the oven. No, the in the oven, in the oven. Mm-hmm. If you've got an aga, even better. Slow oven in the aga, let it tick away. Oh. Longer the better. Okay. Now, can you notice, uh, have you heard the silence when the three wise manies, Claire? There isn't that. <laughs> I'm really going to want right another menu. I was just going to say that. The slavers are what? <laughs> My menu's all wrong. You've just been concentrating. You can just hear them. Whoa, <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Ta, Claire. Some seasonal magic again. Now, this is one of my all-time favourites. This is Annie Lennox. We're a great tribute to our manies. This is God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen. God rest ye merry gentlemen, let nothing you dismay. For Jesus Christ our Saviour was born on Christmas Day. To save us all from Satan's past when we were gone astray. Glad tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy, glad tidings of comfort and joy. Satan's power and might 
where God rest you merry gentlemen and now there are heathens of Christmas recordings of the carols and Annie Lennox comes as oh is in my favourites maybe just topping Maddie Pryor and Steve Span you'll hear them later now this is a unique Christmas special for us according to our tradition at Scots Radio we gather to speak about Christmas at this time of year in Richie's studio in Embra complete with Richie's granny's Christmas tablecloth aye that he aye can manage to wheeze who to the site of his granny, but who to our cannon. But then we have bits of holly and I on the table. We have a glass of sherry and mince pies. I'll make you that back this year. <laughs> <laughs> have you got your uh, your uh, magic tablecloth for your granny this year? And yeah, holly I'm going to have to give it back and fess up that it was me that nicked it seven years ago for Scotch you know, Radio. <laughs> okay, just, just we're going to get to that stage just so that we can... Maybe he a vestige of normality. Can you get your glasses the first the first toast? Get your glasses and we'll, Aye. we'll clinch your Yeah. Good elf, Dobby. There we go. Good elf. It's, it's no good elf. And you can put that other the other thing I've remembered. Um we're we we'll like it kinda of keeping the traditions. You mind one of the years I brought in the sherry trifle. Mine oh. on here. I brought you know, and it was made by myself and food writer and chef Wendy Barry. Oh, that yeah. was a good in. You'd have liked the sherry trifle, Claire. Cherry trifle makes me think about Christmas. And, uh, of course, it just that reminds me that we'll be putting a little snippet of that moment that I was in the kitchen with Wendy marking that sherry trifle up on our webpage again. So look out for that on the Scotch Radio webpage. Right. Right, creators. Fit marks you think of Christmas. Fit your harbingers. Only traditions in your family. Dave first. Oh, I think my... Deepest memory is of Reed's homemade non-alcoholic ginger wine. Oh, the flavour of that was just incredible. My nana used to make it. Wow. Used to leave that out with shortbread for Santa on Christmas Eve, you know. But that, mm-hmm. it, you can still get ginger essence to make into ginger wine. But ah, the one with Christmas wasn't Christmas without that ginger wine. Steve Fitzgerald's Fitzgerald memories for Fitzgerald Harbingers. Well, I suppose mine has changed a wee bit over the years. My wife comes from Germany, and of course they do happen on the 24th hour there. And to get your presents, you hate to sing a bit of a song or read out a Christmas poem for Elkeen before you open it. Oh, lovely. So that's been uh, good fun. And okay. they hear a wee kirk in the village there where the bairns do their nativity play and then after uh, Abdi stands outside and they hear these kind of, you can these uh, coffee flasks you get at conferences. <laughs> well, they're swilling about fill a, filled with glue vine, so <laughs> warms Abdi up out in the, the cold. That's lovely. Claire, if it's your, if it's your memory, if it's your harminger. 
Oh, the the ginger wine was bringing back memories. Absolutely, we used to get that at my granny's special treat for the <laughs> Christmas. <laughs> um, but we, I've got two small children, so we're still kind of learning our making our own traditions. It's different every year. <laughs> oh, I, I love that. Uh, okay, Richie, if it's yours. I don't know. I suppose, like when I think back, we used to actually travel for Christmas, and we spent a lot of Christmases in Tenerife. Uh, so maybe doing that this year. No, done it for I a never long time. Never mentioned that before. Maybe one of these days we'll, we'll get mm. back and have Christmas in the sunshine. Mm. So, uh, Scots Radio in the sun. Oh, great! You know, and sort of bringing my kilt over and and having a a, a broad year, sort of dancing in the square to a salsa band in my kilt. I mean, I did that every year, like through my teenage and twenties. You know, so great. But, well, you uh, see, I, I thought for myself, I suppose it's 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 just the smell of turkeys cooking and the smell of uh, the tree in the house and that lovely that pine smell and pine needles. And I, I love carols every Christmas morning. Uh, uh, I, I have to sing carols because I, I, <laughs> I just love that. Whether folk want it or not, last time I had well, to sing it over the phone. What's your uh, favourite one, Frida? <laughs> 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 okay, so you ain't got the recording as well, have you? <laughs> It has to be explained, I lost my voice about Christmas time last year, and I thought, well, and I had just had one of my favourite carols, Little Donkey, and I gave it a carol, but, um, so I decided to sing it to Abbey on the phone. Only thing is, without a voice, <laughs> some folk will say, well, you sounded better. Um, it came out like, Little Donkey, carry me. <laughs> I think your microphone's <laughs> not working there, Frida. And so, folk recorded it, and they were threatening to to um, play that one day to the, the mass media. Anyway, that was that was just my kind of last time Christmas nay voice, but I still had to sing, yeah. And there's something about a garden, gardeners and gardens, that makes me think of Christmas as well. The new and the past. Dave, there's, there's a list of plants that we associate with Christmas, isn't there, and connected to Celtic mythology. Set the scene. Bring the smell of Christmas trees into the virtual shed. Tell us more about the plants. Well, bringing that smell of Christmas in, one of the first things I always do on Christmas morning is cut a wee bit of witch hazel for the table because well, it smells lovely. of lemon. God, smell. But, you know, the, the most ancient link with Christmas is the Yule log. I think, really, it's the holly and the ivy Aye. and that we connect with Christmas more than anything. And they're steeped in pagan mythology. They were both um, fertility symbols in ancient times, and these symbols were adopted by the Christian church. Um, and used in the medieval mystery plays. It was a means of interpreting the Bible for people who couldn't read and write. And then later on, they were adopted on Christmas cards and ornaments. But if you look at the Victorian language of flowers, holly represents foresight and ivy represents friendship. The ivy itself is actually connected with the, the ancient Egyptian god Osiris, but it's also associated with that rascal Dionysus and oh, Bacchus, the oh, Greek and oh. Roman god of wine. And <laughs> now the holy itself, it actually dates back in its traditions to the festival of Saturnalia, which was celebrated by the Romans on the 17th of December. There's evidence too that the, the holy was thought to have been sacred to the, the Druids. Um, but funnily enough, as a pagan symbol, after it was adopted by the church, it became originally more associated with Easter. Now, the, the other thing that we all associate with Christmas is mistletoe. Right. And it's surrounded with mystery and ancient belief. And it's not about snogging, you rascals. That, that's <laughs> not to do with it. It 
you need for strong with snogging? That's not that's not wrong way, but that wasn't what it was all about. It was a very important core plant in a in a in a ceremony that was practiced by the Druids. And that ceremony was recorded by the Roman historian Pliny. And he describes a ritual involving two white bulls um, and a golden sickle. And one of the most dramatic depictions of this ceremony is in that wonderful painting by two of the Glasgow boys, George Henry and Edward Atkinson Hornell. And it's called The Druids Bringing in the Mistletoe. And it, it, it hangs in Glasgow City Museums. They look after it for the nation. And the sheer colour and the scale of it, it's got an unspoken authority when you stand in front of it. It's almost two metres square. I mean, it's a big work. David, can I, can I come in there just a wee minute? Because I, I want to kind of spend a little bit more time on the Christmas tree as well. But uh, can I stop you there just for a wee break for some music? And you've come up with some fascinating uh, information there. Is Abdi Ken? Ah, that's what David's been saying. Is, is that... Is that new to Abdi? Because I've never heard some of that before. I always like cutting holly and ivy and bringing it in, but I've never really known why. So that's that's quite amazing, actually. Funny enough, I just got a present of a few bags of holly the other day, and I'm going to be I'm going to be creative throughout the house of my holly this year. Aye. But uh, yeah, it's it's amazing just how far back nothing goes, and I'm not going to mention snogging again. Thank you, Mister David, for new. <laughs> Thank you, Mister. I was tempted when you mentioned Pliny. I said, did he deal with snogging? But he didn't. I, but, I didn't can, but if he had been in the company of Bacchus, I reckon there'd be mischief somewhere. There was bound to be. There was bound to be. Right, we're digging a band snogging as well this Christmas. Thank you, Mr. David. I said, this is another one of my seasonal, seasonal favourites. This is Sheena Wellington with her version of the Christ Child's Lullaby and reading for Sheena's notes on her album. The words were translated for a traditional gallant song by Kenna Campbell. Mama Mary Ann Kennedy and near neighbour were clear. This is special. This is Sheena in pure voice we the Christ Child's Lullaby. My love, my treasured one, are you, my sweet and lovely son, are you, you are my love, my darling new, unworthy. Thank you. 
Sheena Wellington singing Christ Child's Lullaby. That's on their Clear Song album, produced by a manny called Doogie McLean at Dunkeld Record Studios. A classic. You're listening to Scotch Radio, special Christmas party, with guests for your sister programme, the gardening programme, Grow Radio. This is Frida Morrison, and with me in their vain virtual sheds is Dave Mitchell, Richie Werner, Steve Byrne, and our cook, Claire Patterson. Well, Christmas is a time for all kinds of traditions, including the giving of presents, but far this Christmas comfy. Steve, you've been looking at this. Hi, well, well, Dave's covered it a wee bit in terms of looking back at the, the solstice and the kind of pagan origins of Christmas, all that kind of thing, and back to Saturnalia and Roman times and all that. And of course, when the Vikings come in, about the 700s, uh, they brought their own uh, pre-Christian way of celebrating the solstice, which they cried Yol, and became kind as Yule in Scotland. And they were meant to hear a celebration for about 12 days, which uh, was a way of honouring their ancestors in this uh, dark time of the year amidst the murk. But uh, many of the traditions has been with us. Uh, of course, you were asking me uh, when we were speaking before the programme about uh, what's happened with, with Christmas since the Reformation. Well, after the Reformation in the middle of the 16th century in Scotland, Christmas was more or less uh, banned. In 1583, the, the Kirk at St Mungo's Cathedral in Glasgow ordered the excommunication of folk that was celebrating Yule. Uh, even and singing a Christmas carol was considered a serious crime, and it depends who I was singing it, obviously, in the answering machines and that. <laughs> <laughs> I noticed that. I heard that. But there was actually, in 1640, uh, uh, an Act of Parliament uh, that, that made the celebration of Yule illegal, and it wasn't repealed until 1712, so... And ever since then, the Kirk had frowned upon the kind of festive gains on. Uh, and it wasn't really until, I think, 1958 that uh, it was a public holiday in Scotland. That is amazing. And you think, we just took it for, for, for granted nowadays. Exactly. So this is something like the 64th, 65th Christmas holiday in, in about 500 years. So... But of course, there's another uh, date connected with, with Santa and St Nicholas. Do you want to hear a bit, a bit about that one? A wee bit, aye. Well, the 6th of December is the feast day of St Nicholas, and he was meant to be a real saint that was born in uh, modern-day Turkey in, I think, the 3rd century. And he was actually a Greek bishop with a place called Myra in southwest Turkey, and he was put in the jail during the persecution of the Christians be the Roman Emperor Diocletian. We're getting into our Romans the night of the day. <laughs> and he got his cell and tell a puckle of things that meant by the 6th century his shrine was Wheel Kent at Myra. But then in the 11th century there was uh, some sailors from Italy pockled his beans, took them to Bari in Italy, which then became a kind of pilgrimage uh, site and it meant that St Nicholas was Wheel Kent in Europe. And uh, that basically kind of went on the whole time until the Reformation put a stop to all that. But the folk in the Netherlands kept ahead of the tradition, took it with them in the 17th century to New Amsterdam, what's new New York. And of course, we can what's happened after that. Folk then did images of them, advertisements, all that sort of thing in the 1800s. And New Way Santa. And of course, we still celebrate the 6th of December with Matilda because uh, it's still a, a tradition in Germany as well. Oh, Steve, amazing bits of information yeah. there. But Christmas still has that magic for me, you know, no matter, I think it's uh, just one of the, the times in the year that I think is joyous and Santa comes. Christmas parties in the wee village hall, I remember then Santa, although I was, I was fierce to Santa. I have photographs of me being 
in front of Sandra and the look on my face, you can tell I was terrified. Big Sandra in the local post office, Windy in Port Nocky, of course. That was scary, man, because he was about 12 feet tall. Big money, with great big staring in. I wouldn't have been afraid of that bear. I used to stand there and look at him and look, oh my <laughs> And uh, I think I've got time to tell the wee story about the school. And I was, I put out the, the classroom for various things, but one of them was when the teacher asked, Far to Santa Convey. Well, I put up my hand and said, the post office in Port Nocky. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fake. The North Pole. <laughs> and when we're on the subject, <laughs> cousin cousin Helen said a cracker or a joke uh, to be included in the programme. She said, well, she said, uh, Frida, say this. And she said, it was an, an American uh, USA quiz near that long ago. And the question was, where is Santa Fe? And the man in the panel, the man in the panel, you can tell, I said, the man said, eh, North Pole. <laughs> okay, you got that? Right. Thank you for that, Cousin Helen. Right, we have a very special moment coming up because uh, we've got a lot of Bairns books in Scots. We are, you know, a joyous amount of Bairns book. And we've got uh, The Nacht Before Christmas, translated by Irene McFarland. Let me, let me just read a wee a wee bit for the first, very first bit of this book. It goes, "'Twas the nacht afore Christmas, when a through the hoose, ne a crater was steering, ne even a moose." Thank you for that, Irene McFarlane. Then we've got the squatter of Bairn rhymes by Stuart Patterson. And for Susie Briggs, Nip Nebs in The Last Berry, we hear a great amount of Scots writers. I'm lucky to hear them. Steve. This is a special moment because you were speaking to your wee daughter Matilda, who was just coming up for sex. Oh. And was she a willing customer to take part in this broadcast by any chance? She was uh, gay enthusiastic at the beginning. At right. The mayor would get on, and I was Nadine at right. Oh. So uh, <laughs> she'd become a bit of sweer uh, uh -huh. the longer it got on, but we got there in the end. Oh. It's a lovely recording. Can we, can we hear a bit of that now? Here she comes, Matilda. So, Matilda, what book are we going to hear reading now? What's it cried? The Governor in Scots. Resto, you want to read this bit? I'm used to Kendana through the deep dark. No, not dark. Mark. Red. Red, 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 mm -hmm. red, red. And the next bit? What are you after, we? Will you know here your dinner in my deep Dune house? That's awfully kind of you, Todd, but I'll know. I'm going to hear my dinner with a Gruffalo! A Gruffalo? What's a Gruffalo then? Mm. A Gruffalo? What? Dino Ken. Very good. Oh, this is your bitty. <laughs> he has? He has Michael. Lang tusks and muckle big paws and muckle sharp sharp teeth in his muckle strong jaws and his favourite food is hot Todd stew <laughs> hot Todd <laughs> oh, see, hot dog. That is a classic moment. And I think of all the, the guests we've had on Scots Radio and Grow Radio, I think that that's one of the highlights of the year, definitely. Bonnie, Bonnie. And we, Matilda, has, has she got a letter into Santa for presents yet? 
No quite, but she came home for the skill the other day with about seven or eight bits of paper covered in, in hertz and all sorts of pictures, and she says, they're after Santa, so I think you'll be Ooh. getting a, a, a Rich Bonnie letter this year. Oh, that's great. Well, of course, stories and burns going together, and Christmas and Santa going together. So a wee five ago, there I was on a Carl Snynacht in my shed writing my letter to Santa, asking him about Bairns' storybooks and sconce for Christmas. I was needing to give some folk presents, of course. Nae sooner had I put my Santa letter up a lump than I heard the sooner whizzing in the distant sky. Lights flickering and bells. Near the liquid time. Woosie soons, Christmas labels, fit was happening. <laughs> well, mere and I mean it. After we hear another from my favourite music box, Maddie Pryor, we steal I span. This is See Amid the Winter Snow. Yeah. 
Lady Pryor and Steel Eye Span we see amid the winter snow. Lovely. Knew I was telling you. There I was, sitting in my shed. Had just popped my letter to Santa up the lum. Then all of a sudden, there was the noise outside. Soons of laughing, like whizzing and furling and bells. And the soon came nearer. And I thought, could it be? Would it be? Well, I looked out the window and it was. I saw the sleigh with Santa and his reindeer coming across the sky. Who were been a he? And then, as is tradition, I heard him landing on his sleigh on my reef. And then, and then, then he came doing my very lump. Oh, yeah. oh my dope! Oh. Oh, Sonny Min, you alright? Nice day, mate. Oh, yes. oh, oh yeah. You alright? Ah, <laughs> I don't make mistakes like that. <laughs> Where you put that bucket there? Sandy, I'm awful, awful sorry about the bucket. I forgot to, to move it. Man. I didn't expect you quite quite as sudden as that. You know what I mean? But you're here. Hi. And, uh, hello, hello. Hello. Now, Santa, do you ken you look awful like the writer Thomas Clark? Aye. A lot of folks say that to me. Never heard of the man, but it'll be good looking, though. Hey. Well, that's another story, but... Uh, Fuzz your wee pal. Oh, that's my wee helper. Wee? Foo big are you? Eh, uh, just a bit of our six foot four, eh? Not that big attacking. A wee helper? But only one fits your name. Good elf. Oh, good elf. Aye, good elf to you and Abedi. Oh, aye, right. And where does your good elf come from? Uh, well, I'm not from the North Pole. I'm from the North East Pole in a broch. Oh, no Greenland then. Nah, nah, I work all up there. Broth's fine for me. Santa! Anyway, I wrote you a letter, wheeled it up along, and asked if you could join us with some recommendations of presents. Recommended Burns books and Scots. Have you got anything for us? Oh, it's been you that's been sending the letters, eh? Well, there's been a good lot of new Bernie books published this year. That's been fantastic books. Books for Etchie Coo and books for all different other publishers. We've had Paddington Bear in Scots. We've had Asterix in Scots. We've had Diary of Wimpy Kid in Scots. We've had pff, that many smashing books this year. Oh, there's been goodings, right. Uh, hi. Uh, could you read a few bitties for us? I will that. I will that. And I'll start off with this book by this... Thomas Clark fella that you've been banging on about. It's called Diarrhea Wimpy Wayne, Up to the Oaksters. And it's the second gin that he's had out this year because there's another gin, Roderick the Raj. Only gates, I'll tell read you the first couple of pages of this, see what you think yet. Look, just because my family aren't that bad doesn't mean I want to spend 24 hours a day with them, seven days a week. But that's exactly how it's been this past wee while though. It's not just me that's getting fed up with it either. We're all at the end of your tether. And if it doesn't change soon, we'll be in it up to your oaksters. My ma says we've been stuck in the house that lying, and we need a wee break. But what we really need is a break for each other. But there's hee-haw chance of that happening. 
because we're absolutely skinto. And the reason for that is kind of a lang story. And if you're good this year, you'll find out what happens in the rest of that lang story, because maybe, just maybe, I'll drop down your lum with diarrhea wimpy wean ups to the oaksters. Oh, that's a good interview, name here. I do, I do. I've got here the Itchy Coo book of Hans Christian Andersen fairy tales, which by a ween of smashing Scots writers like Elaine C. Smith, Val McDermott, Matthew Fitt, James Robertson, Nashville Douglas. I'm gonna read you a wee bit for a story cried the lassie in the snow. I like that, Oh, the nicht was that bitter call you wouldn't want to be only place but him. But the wee lassie that had been selling matches all day was out there still. And she was freezing. It was Hogmanay, and licked scalp through the windies of the rich houses all about her. The street was foo of the smell of good scran, but she'd no had a bite to eat the hell day, no one wee peck. Oh, Santa, well, right, one more, have you got anything else? I've got here the piece de resistance, as they say in Fraserburgh, this snowman. It's the snowman in Scots and it's by my good friend Matthew Fitt. So here we gang, the snowman. The snow fell on Echtlang. When James woke up, he couldn't believe his een. He looked to his bed and skated out to the windy. Outside, the world had turned a blob, blistering white. Quick! He put on his clays and ran down the stair. Mind you put your bits on, said his ma. James had never seen snow like this before. He played for hours, stramping up and down the garden. Then he started to make a snowball. And it got mere and mere muckle. Soon it was offy, offy muckle. And the broad idea wiped into James's head. He would mack. Ah, snowman. Santa, you've been half a good to us. Now, I've got a wee glass of sherry for you, and I'm being spy and a few carrots for my garden for your reindeer. And, eh, uh, good elf, what about you? Aye, wait, wait a minute, aye, aye, I'm just a lot to say, where's my sherry? I'm, I'm partial to a wee glass myself, can? Denny, give him sherry. Elves and sherry, they just Denny mix. I have heard that. Okay, Santa. Are you sure you didn't attend the famous writer Thomas Clark from where that year? I like him, but we a beard, of course, can't I mean? Nah, I haven't heard him. Wish I, wish I kent him, though. He must be awfully good looking, Don Thomas Clark fella. Oh, well, that's another story, as I said. So, still any of that cherry coming my way yet? Yeah, no. uh, we're, trying to, we're trying just to set a neggy of too much sherry because um, I've heard what's happened to elves and sherry afore. Right. Uh, there are stories, right? Right, Santa. It's been half a fine hearing you. Freda, I'm delighted to be here, but I'm on a wall. It's an awfully busy time of the year, this. Uh, if you've nothing else for me today, me and good hell for half, half up the lum again. And for all the wee bernies, for all over the world, keep cosy and safe. I'll be back. That's me. Half up the lum now. Cheerio! And Denny put that bucket there again. Have a right, sir, doubt. I'll be back. Yeah, you've to watch yourself these days, Sonny. You're our offer it. Ah, oh, there's life in the old dog yet, wee man. There's life in the old dog yet. Nimon, got a lot today. Cheerio, Freda. Cheerio. Cheerio. Cheerio.
And with that, he was a wolf. Santa was here. Santa was here. With good elf. Oh, it marks his smile. Ring the bell, start your partners for a fling with a duo box of bananas. And this is them we are track at. He's a smile. the bananas we attract a geezer smile and incognito as a place in the Snaefarfi Fraserborough was Thomas Clark and Andrew Davidson thank you for that it certainly gives us a smile and another pal that marks a smile is our pal Davy Mitchell so Davy we've been speaking about the garden the kitchen and now it's time for the feast over to you it's a subject I can you you greatly enjoy oh the feast Frida Mechty the garden and the kitchen and the house they all come together at Christmas. You can whether it's root crops, winter greens, or stored fruit like apple and pears. We bring in these wee delicacies and we enjoy them at this time of year and maybe make more effort than we do at other times. And I was looking back and I wonder what the one lassie we've spoken about before, Meg Dodds, wrote about in her cookery oh, book. Oh, Meg Dodds, aye, Meg, aye. Her, her book, and she describes this thing called a Christmas goose pie. You want to have seen this thing? It must have been about a metre across by the description. 
It had boned <laughs> goose in it and tongue and pigeon and partridge and a forced meat made with ham and parsley. She even put woodcock and snipe and oysters in it. Oh I mean, the no, no thing was just a beast. It could be eaten hot or cold and it keep you going for days. <laughs> and then I thought, well, I wonder what Marion McNeil can. She was maybe a wee bit cannier in her book, The Scotch Kitchen. And again, here's this thing about roast goose. And then mere simple things like Yule bread. And just cut into wee farrels and eating with creamy cheese or sowings. And then I thought, well, I wonder if there's anything in literature. And I found this lovely bit by Walter Scott in non epic poem of his Marmion, The Tale of Flodden Field. And in the sixth canto, there's the most beautiful description of a celebration at Christmas at a place called Merton, in the Scottish borders, and he talks about wild boar decorated with bay and rosemary, and huge reeking sirloins, and on Christmas pies there again, and savoury goose, and then this queer-like thing called plum porridge, and then, oh, just all the weird kind of wee things you get, kind of like the dinner cans. Now, I bet you didn't ken that James VI in the first of England, kind of, he took the Union of the Crowns in 1603. The one fella, he didn't like pork. And when he went down to tuck out of the royal palaces in London, he caused an office from Ashikin because he wouldn't hear the traditional English boar at Christmas. Ooh. But when you look Marion McNeil, she has a nice wee bit of writing about him. And she, she says, he was served turkey. Turkey? He was served turkey. Now, that was quite a rarity in the days because it first come in for America in 1526. But it was brought over by a Yorkshireman called William Strickland. He'd been trading with Native Americans. Oh. And he'd bought a few of them and brought them back over the Atlantic. And then he bred them in big numbers. And he must have made a, a bit of money because he built a bra house in Yorkshire called Boynton Hall. And he was that proud of his achievements. He put a coat of arms, and in the middle of a coat of, his coat of arms is a turkey. You can, it doesn't matter what you have for your Christmas dinner. It's the company that's good. Back, away back, Meg Dodds, a lot of them looking at it all. Roasted parsnips, braised red cabbage. Me, I love Brussels sprouts. Oh, if they're lovely. cooked in Riesling with a wee bit oh. of bacon. Riesling? Well, well, back cook, a bit, back a bit. Riesling. I cook them in Riesling, fry your bacon and a wee bit shallot and then put a wee bit of Riesling in it and put the sprouts Claire, in and steam Claire, them Claire, can in you it. come in here? Claire, are you there? <laughs> I'm here. Have you heard of this cooking in Riesling? I've no, he I've no heard of that, but I like, I like Riesling and I like Brussels sprouts, so maybe that's one to give <laughs> a go. Well, <laughs> I, I tell you, Claire, of another good recipe for Brussels sprouts where you, you take the outer skin off and you grate them, and you eat them raw in a salad with apricots and apples, yeah. and a lovely and a lovely dressing. It sounds weird, but why gosh, it's good. It's no it oh grand with a bit of ham. It's no weird. It's absolutely. I love it. I love a raw Brussels sprout. They're all peppery and lovely. Oh, They're great. Oh, but you can Christmas is about folk, and it's about sharing. It's about for me, it's about taking time to enjoy nature and the, the offer bonny light you get at that time of year. A broad Christmas spell of weather and a walk ah, with a dog and good company, what mere do you need in life? 
Mare do you need? Anyway, thank you, Dave. What an amazing amount of stories we're getting in this programme. This is lovely. Right, time for a wee bit mere music. This is for the album Best Day. This is Anna Massey and my red green with Red Poppy. from their album Best Day. Lovely music. Now, as I said, this is a special programme, not only for Christmas, but because we have joined up our Scots radio team and our Grow radio team. We've got Dave Mitchell and Claire Patterson for Grow Radio, and they join Steve Byrne and, of course, Richie Wanner and myself. Aye, aye. And we're all in the same booth and the same shed, well, the virtual sheds. <laughs> hey, is it time to clink our glasses? A good, a good elf toast. Hold on, get your glasses ready. Here we go. <laughs> that soon's up empty, that in. Aye, first got empty glasses. Goodness. <clears throat> All right, in the spirit of Christmas, Dennis, I want to Claire's kitchen for the last two dishes for the Christmas table. Aye. Claire, there you are. Well, the next one's maybe one for after, after Christmas, after you've had your turkey and your hams. Um, so it's a pesto, but not made with um, 
basil made with kale. Um, and so you could use this in pasta or you can add it to soups or you can use it with a bit of cream cheese to stuff your chicken or your fish or you can let it make it into a dressing for your salads. And basically you get your leaves of kale, you give them a good wash, strip out the tough ribs and then into they go to a blender with an equal weight of grated parmesan, toasted pine nuts, maybe one, one big fat clove of garlic and a good slug of nice Scottish rapeseed oil. You whiz that up, maybe a wee bit more oil if you need it until you get to the pesto consistency. If you find it a wee bit bitter, you can actually use twice as much kale and blanch the leaves first and that, that makes it a, a bit less bitter. But I like it with the raw kale and it's so good for you, so healthy. Oh, um, lovely. And to balance that out, a pudding. <laughs> so we've got um, uh, I say ice cream, but that's with you know inverted commas around it with um, with berries and berry swirl and a berry compote. Um, and this is a way to use up some of those lovely berries that you'll have grown and picked over the summer, and they'll be filling up your freezer. So I do this to black currants, but you can use raspberries, brambles, gooseberries, whatever you've got, and you get a couple of handfuls of your fruit splash apple juice and a wee bit of sugar not too much and stew that down till it's really really soft and sieve it so you make a puree and you want that to be quite sharp you don't want it to be too sweet because the next thing you're going to do is you're going to get a pint of double cream and you're going to whip it up and then you're going to whisk in a tin of condensed milk and a wee bit of vanilla extract and that is your ice cream two ingredients or three ingredients um, so swirl your berry puree through that and then pop it into a tub or even I put it in a lined loaf tin and freeze that overnight. And then to serve with it, you can heat up a wee bit of that puree that you've kept back and a few handfuls of whatever frozen berries you've got lots of and warm that through until the fruit is a wee bit softened but not mushy. And then you just scoop out or slice up your ice cream and then a big dollop of that compote. And there you go. Easy pudding. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Thank you, Claire. And can I just clink my glasses again to say thank you? There you go. Cheers. Thank you. <laughs> so, as our final flink for he Gerner, Dave, over to you. Oh, all that talk of food. You had to get up out of the chair and burn off some calories or go and, <laughs> or go and do something to earn them in the first place. There's a lot of pruning to be done out there. Old fruit trees, fruit bushes, apples, currants, gooseberries. No, I said that we would leave out the, the Christmas tree at the beginning, but now's the time to tell us about the Christmas tree. Oh, the Christmas tree, Frida. You can't know it's as mysterious as it is beautiful. I've hunted and hunted and hunted, and I can't find any reference in Celtic culture to trees being brought inside. But Yule, during Yule, the U was used to celebrate and the Yule fires and the purification with that. But the Christmas tree goes back to about the 8th century, St. Boniface. Um, he was said to have thwarted a human sacrifice by felling an oak tree and a fir grew in its place. There's another story with a Christmas tree and for the Middle Ages in Germany with a guild, one of the guilds in Freiburg having a fir tree decorated with apples. But really, it's all down to the Victorians. Albert and Victoria, they had yin in Windsor Castle in 1840. It doesn't matter, Frida, where it comes from. 
whatever you choose, whether it's a spruce, a pine, or an artificial tree, when you're decorating it, just take a minute when it's finished and think about its symbolism, why we put it up. It's not about what it's like. It's not about what's underneath it. The tree is much more about the memories that are made round about it. The tree brings light into your house and light into your life, and it's the folk that's round about it that give it that life. Listen, Dave, thank you for that. I can't even find the right words to finish this very special programme. No, glasses at the ready again. Glasses are ready. Because all that remains is for us to wish you a happy Christmas, forever you are. And we leave you, no, as is tradition, we email our favourite readers and colleagues on the, the Doric board. This is Gordon Hay, the alongside near Peterhead, reading the Christmas story for his translation of the New Testament into Doric. Finishing with music for a CD collection, part of a book card, The Wayfaring Strangers by Fiona Ritchie and Doug Orr. The tunes are played by Timothy Cummings, starting with that Wayfaring Stranger tune. And no, are you ready, guys? And Claire, all that remains is for the three wise mannies, Dave Mitchell, Steve Byrne, Richie Werner, and our cook Claire Patterson, and myself, Rita Morrison, to wish you a happy Christmas. May you have the Christmas that you want. Here's to hope and peace around the earth. Are you ready, chummies? After three, one, two, three. Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas. And after two, bless you One, two! Bless you! A Gospel of Luke, Chapter 2 Now it come about at that time, the Emperor Augustus gid out an edict that the hail world should pay tax. S. was when Quirinius was governor of Syria. An Elka man gitlis ain tun. And said Joseph get up from Nazareth and Galilee to David's tun cad Bethlehem and Judea to be taxed. You see, he was a David's folk. And he took with him his last Mary. Her it was expecting her first bairn. When they were in Bethlehem, her time came, and she had a wee loony, her allest sin. She whopped him up in clouts and laid him at the four-star, cause there was nae room for them at the lodging. Now there was there about some shepherds out in the parks watching over the sheepies, when an angel of the Lord came to them, and the Lord's glory was sheening around them. They were terrified. But the angel says to them, Dinna be feared. A face squeed news till ye, and to all the folk. As for a day, in David's tune, your Saviour was born, Christ the Lord. And as will be your sign. You'll find the bairn wobbit up in clouts, and lying in a four-star. Ah, at once there was a muckle colour shungy of the heavenly host, singing God's praises. Glory to God in highest heaven, and on earth peace. Guid well to our folk. After the angels had gone awa back to heaven, a shepherd said to the another, Come on, woman had strach to Bethlehem, and see for her sails for the Lord has tilt us about. See awa they hailed at a guid lick, and found Mary and Joseph with a bairnie lying in the four-star. And when they saw him, they tilt for they themselves had been tilt about his bairnie. And ah, it heard them were dumb funert 
fetish she parts were saying. But Mary took until her breasty fit was said, and mind about it for long. And a wag of the shepherds singing God's praises for all they had seen and heard. It had all happened just as they'd been dealt.